0: This is Geek Gab with your host, Door and all to me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, July 20th, 2019. I was just doing a little pause there to see how ominous I could make it at the beginning of the show to see if it would seem to you that the show would never actually begin or that we were having some kind of technical difficulties. I have bad, bad news for today. We have as of yet had no technical difficulties, so I have no idea what will happen or when they will strike. Rest assured, our crack team of engineers is standing by. To take care of whatever problems arise darnell how was your week
1: hey man pretty average week for me nothing really new to report but i'm still here still kicking
0: excited in the middle of a bite
1: i not at all i i delayed the bite uh because i was riveted i was uh what's the word held in rapture <laughs> by your your feigned technical difficulties i i was as the audience at the edge of my seat wondering what is going to happen
0: next i was hoping that by like going in going in one direction and then veering suddenly in another that it would catch you off guard
1: i'm pretty easy to catch off guard most days but today is not that day
0: so uh Oh yeah, I wanted to make an announcement.
1: Wait, you have an announcement?
0: Yeah, I was going to tell you before the show, but you were like eating breakfast or something. Whatever.
1: That's right. It's it's still technically before noon here on the west coast of North America. I have to be I have to be precise because our uh, wonderful guest today is on the other side of the world uh, in
0: Israel. Um. <laughs> I I, uh, actually, I have guests lined up for next week already. That's that is quite an announcement. Unusual for the Geek Gab. Yeah. Um, And again, things may happen, this being the real world. But I uh, asked Jeffro Johnson and uh, P. Alexander uh, from Kersova to come on the show so we could talk about the. Setting of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the implied setting, like psionics rules and what implications they had. Let me let me give you a hint from the blog post I read the other day. It is full-on Lovecraftian horror almost. If you go around using psychic powers with any regularity, or if you cast a whole slew of spells that uh, are of a category that. Uh, are akin to psychic abilities, you're probably going to start running into some of the worst monsters in the game fairly re, uh, fairly often if you are um, using the rules as written in the AD&D source book. And that puts like this whole different spin on the default worlds of AD&D. And so that whole thing, uh, kind of fascinating me, the fact that it's a post-apocalyptic world, because everything is different. I was reading this guy, he said he rolled up by their population charts an area the size of Ohio, and came up with four human settlements, and two of them were tiny villages. Um, so we're going to be talking about all that stuff next week, about how AD&D and its assumptions, as represented by the rules, is completely different than what everyone thinks about AD&D is, especially, uh, you know, in terms of psionics and stuff, it's just mind boggling. If you use a detect magic spell to identify magic items or a detect invisibility spell, there's a good chance some monstrous, insane monster, from the astral plane will just erupt into reality to teach your uh, player characters what for. So I'm really fascinated by that. Uh, Jeff Rowe and P Alexander are both far more educated than I am on that subject. And so I invite him on the show so we could talk about it some, uh, talk about it some. So, you know, give the audience something new, give me something new. I can learn about something I haven't uh, delved into before. So that's next week. Uh, that's pretty fascinating. I thought so, yeah. So that's my announcement. But but
1: but we have a guest. We totally have a guest, and this is this is where I thought our technical difficulties uh, were going to come in. Welcome back to the show, Yakov Merkin.
2: Thank you very much. It's been, I, was this my third or fourth I think, time. I don't even mind. Sure, at this point, I think it's. Yeah, I think so. For sure, third, maybe fourth.
1: We'll we'll go back to the archives. Oh, good and to be back. <laughs> yeah, it is great to have you back.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: that's easy enough to do.
1: <laughs> uh, the the delay. The delay here is because yeah,
2: and
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we just had three people talking over each other. And yeah, we it's all a bit three of a distance. Uh, talking at the same time. <laughs>
2: to go wrong. With, well, well, we're,
1: here, we're here to talk about your new book and, and I want to talk about this distance because because uh, for people who haven't listened yes. to the show with Yakov before, he's all the way off in Israel. Uh, he's he's actually in the army. Uh, takes pictures by the tank all the time. Uh, but what I heard this week is that you guys are in the middle of a massive heat wave with uh, raging fires all over the country. So uh, have you have you triggered Armageddon while yeah. While we were not looking,
2: I hope not. It would be really inconvenient for my my crowdfund. So we you could wait for <laughs> a few weeks, you know, another month or two. <laughs> 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 and we get the books out first and then it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know it happens every summer. It's, it's every summer, this kind of thing happens to some degree or another. And there's always a question of how many of these fires. Are natural and how many had help, but you can't always tell. These not till afterward.
1: Wow! So you have people taking it's advantage no of the heat and and setting fires out there.
2: Oh yeah, yeah this well, there's people who try to set fires all year round. It's just a very, it's a much easier time of year now when everything is very dry. Because there's no, we have no rain from from May until like uh, October usually at all. So it. I think it's very dry, and then when it gets hot, it makes it just really easy to just spark something, especially in areas that are more open and not uh, cleared properly. So,
0: Dude, That's just like my home. That is like Utah to a T. Utah's, yeah, Utah's a, a special that's place.
1: That's I lived there for like eight years myself. It's, yeah, it's a tinderbox every year.
2: I was there once.
1: <laughs> did you notice? Or did you just think, oh, it's it's back home again for a week?
2: No, that was actually before I moved here, so... Uh, so it was, let's like back summer, back it was like a month before move? I moved, basically, I mean, like family vacation. Yes, well, it's technically, technically it's two books. Originally it was going to be one, then I decided to make it two. Uh, for story reasons and then also because i had a fun cover idea so i wanted two covers for it but it was mainly for story reasons because what i wanted to tell in, in this book which was going to be a fiery reckoning just as one book i realized very early on that it was going to need a second book in order to get everything done that needed to happen and not feel too rush and for everything to make proper sense having having eight. A- Or nine in book five uh, tends to do, it the, the books. I mean, it could have been a giant book, but that's not, uh, not the not as ideal at least at this point. Especially now, with the rest of the series being a relatively consistent length overall. So, so it's two books, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically I mean, I'm not going to without spoiling anything really. These books four and five in the series, so it's kind of hard to talk details without you not know, even. The, the video that I put up for for the trailer that I made for the Indiegogo is also like there is some of that in there because there's no way to really talk about these books on their own without giving away some stuff. Although I'm really proud of that trailer. I think people should watch it even if it is a little bit spoilery. I mean it's not no detailed spoilers, the kind of thing that you could easily just like forget about when you're reading the books later. But uh, but it continues the war that was going on since really the end of book two and all the book three and now uh Books four and five, where it's going to finally conclude, and then lead into the last two books in the series, which I'm working on now.
1: So, and and, and you've got a Indiegogo put up right now. That that sounds really yes. really cool. Have you? Is this one of those uh, deals when you, where you finish the book and you're just looking to get it out the door, get it published, or uh, are yeah. you still in the process of of writing these last two books?
2: Uh, the last of the last two books, book six, I'm writing right now. Book seven is already outlined and uh, ready to go as soon as I finish writing book six, but books that I'm crowdfunding now, books four and five, as you can, as people can see, the, the covers are done for both of them, and the editing for book four is done. Book five is in, is underway right now. We're already a good chunk of the way through it. I mean, we, had a, we finished the first path of editing. And so I'm waiting on my editor for the second pass, and that'll be done well in advance of the crowdfund finishing in about a month or so, a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I mean, the point of the crowdfund is to be able to raise the funds, to be able to pay my artists and my editor on time to make sure that everything runs smoothly and that uh, forward to just jump straight into book six and seven to start commissioning the art, because the art art is really what takes the longest at this point, uh, more than the writing for right now. Because um, I've having had a very good writing pace these days, so I'm gonna. The plan would be to commission the arts for the next two books, like in, during the campaign even, and so that hope, in the hope that they'll be ready in time to publish the book whenever I want. Because the last, the last book that was what I was waiting for for a little while to get that out the door, and so now I took care of that for this time, got it all done in advance, and like I said, the editing is uh, in process right now for the second of the two books, something in uh, this crowdfund.
1: You mentioned paying the artists a lot, which I can't help but notice that you've got a distinctive art style on the cover. Uh, it definitely tells you everything you need to know about uh, the books. What can you say about about the the artist and the covers? Yeah, well, my artist
2: has done a great job. So far, this is, with these books, these, we've done six books together already. Uh, his name is John. <laughs> what? I oh. thought there was a... Question, but now I'm not hearing.
1: Uh, <laughs> only in your head.
2: Okay. Uh, no, so the artist is John Zalesnik. He's most well known for um, working on like doing cover arts and other artwork for some of the Rift uh, role playing games. or Palladium Books, I think, is the company. And he's also done some Magic the Gathering art, which is where I first saw his artwork. He hasn't done that many cards, he's done a few over the years but That's where I first saw his name, and that's basically I think mean, I talked about this before once or twice. Where um, I found him, basically went through a list of Magic: The Gathering artists and went to look for somebody who had a style that I liked for what I wanted for my books and someone who I could afford uh, to commission. And uh, I emailed him, and then now we're six books later already. So five in this series and the one fantasy book so far. So uh, and then for this for this book for these books, since I knew it was going to be two books now, and I wanted instead of kind of like one story almost in the two books. So I decided I wanted to do a fun cover thing where like the two images form sort of a larger image. Like I've seen that done a couple times, not very often, but it was a cool it was a cool concept I had in my mind. So I decided to make it happen and then it came out pretty nicely.
1: Yeah, I like it myself. Uh, I like it's a nice story that you find uh, an artist that you liked and and contacted him for the work. When, when you put it that way, yeah, I think if I were to get art, I would sort of, let's find my favorite Magic the Gathering or or Pop artist uh, and, you know, see what their commission prices are. See if you can get one of your favorite artists to do your book cover. That's a great idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. there's a handy list. I think on Wikipedia they have a list of all the Magic the Gathering artists ever, which is dozens because the game has been out for, it's been around for like 20 years now, and there's so many artists, even some artists have only done one card or two. So there's tons of people, and of course, not all of them even have websites, not all of them take commissions. Some of them are too famous and too expensive to hire, obviously. So, uh, but there's definitely other people, I mean, there's obviously, aside from John, who uh, are definitely available for that kind of thing. Like, like there are like, a lot of artists, they're like workman artists. They're like, they're not super famous, but they do really good work and they're just in it to do the work. I mean, I'm as of this point, I think I'm basically his most regular, his most regular client at this point, which is good for a working relationship, I think, because, I think I get a little bit more priority now too. And uh, the work obviously speaks for itself.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and that's a good reminder because yeah, there's, the there's another artist what? I follow. Um, I want to I wanna mention him. Ken Meyer Jr. Is, is an old magic artist. And he also did a lot of work on the Vampire card game. Uh, so I follow him now and again. And yeah, these guys are just, they're out there working. You can commission them to do whatever you need.
2: Yeah, they actually – since I've done books with John, I've seen him now actually do a couple other book cover commissions. So I'm not sure if I could take the credit for that, but uh, I have seen him. He posts in-progress photos on his Facebook. He has, a Facebook uh, he has a Facebook page for his art, and so he posts updates with my art and other arts too as he goes along with the sketch process and uh, the painting process because all these arts are actually physically painted too. He, that the final is all painted on actual canvas and uh, – so, I mean, it's a real thing. It's not, he's not just, I mean, not, not to knock digital art on people do on the computer or on a tablet, but he actually physically paints all of these and they all exist for real somewhere. So,
1: well, that's really great. So, go ahead and what kind of juicy bits can you give us? Like, can you tell me more about the story and where it's going right now?
2: Uh, yeah, without spoiling too much. Uh, in um, the end of book three, the war took a very uh, drastic turn. I'm not going to give any details about that. would spoil the ending of book three, which I don't want to do because it was a really good ending, I think. Um, but the war took a very drastic turn, and a lot of things changed very, very slowly. And now um, the, the heroes are basically have a completely different fight on their hands than they had before, and a much tougher fight. Because I mean, that's not really a spoiler because if it wasn't tougher, then... Why write the book? Like, it would be too easy. Like, you don't want to make things too easy for the characters, obviously. So, it's a much tougher fight they have now. And, um, both, both for reasons of, uh, how much they have versus how much the enemy has, and also who they're fighting. They have probably the most dangerous uh, adversary so far faced, but in a different way than any of the other dangerous adversaries before. Or a much more of a mental adversary as opposed to, a uh, a metaphysical, or just like a pure power standpoint, and uh, and all the characters just are moving along. They have uh, like I have characters in every every possible relevant place in this war, um, doing doing their own part. Some of the characters are more in direct command role, like a bunch of my main characters from the earlier book. Some of the newer characters have a smaller roles to play, but equally important roles in the process of bringing this war to its conclusion by the end of book five. And I mean, book five I think is the second longest book in the series after the first book. So it's a uh, there's a lot there's a lot going on. There's a, there's a laser sword fight at one point on an exploding super weapon, and a super weapon that's the super weapon yes. that survived super a super weapon which has survived multiple books, unlike a certain other franchise I can't seem to allow one to survive more than one movie. Um, I realize it makes a lot more sense and it's a lot better in many ways for tension if the weapon is around and for it. People were trying to not destroy it at first, but trying to just stop it from being able to be used to kill everybody. And then obviously eventually you have to fight it for real. But um, having that in the background as as a threat that will need to be addressed eventually is something that I really wanted to have. And, um, and also obviously there's a lot more giant space battles. I mean this is it. book five. I think probably has the most big space battles since book one possibly the biggest one yet no but I think book three the biggest battle i think but um some of the biggest ones and uh without, without spoiling anything specific there were in book five specifically my editor told me when he gave me the first revision pass back and there was one scene particularly the end of the book that he said was worth the price of admission by itself which is really cool to hear i never heard that before
1: and That's great uh,
2: praise, for sure and then also one scene where uh it was meant to be kind of funny, and he really liked it. it was, I was like, I can't spoil it. The only thing I'll say is it's a character that already was in, existed in book three. It's, it was basically Space Trump. But I'm not going to explain exactly what role he plays in the story. But uh, someone actually on Twitter actually just a little while ago posted that he got to that character in the series finally, and he seems to be enjoying it. But uh, it's a character that I was like a side character that I really wanted to, to have. Uh, because I think it was like a funny like a funny character but also a character who's not just a joke. and uh has a role to play beyond beyond these books I think so
1: uh, that's great. Um, you mentioned you mentioned something about where the book was going and so I wanted to ask yeah. do you have a long term plan or a vision of the way the war or the way the story is going to end or or is this an ongoing saga?
2: Um, It's kind of both in a way. I have, like I said, the book seven outline is already finished. so I know how this series of seven books is going to end, but it's not going to be the end for the galaxy ascendant universe as it were. I have already basic ideas for multiple series continuing on after this, spinning off from The main series, I have a whole galaxy to work with. I have, and if you see the galaxy map that I post on Indiegogo, um, the the whole galaxy isn't even revealed yet. So there's a good third of the galaxy that's completely unexplored as far as our main characters go that will eventually become explored and eventually come into play in some way or another. And I can guys, like, this this is my plan. I mean, I'm not going to be too uh, ambitious here, at least not yet, but like, like my plan is to make this my own personal Star Wars and do it right. And like, plan ahead of time about how I want to build this universe how I want to grow the setting and how I want it to play out with also without falling to the trap of either ruining the classic characters the legacy characters or by making it into a soap opera which is what happened with the old you know, expanded universe after a point it just became like just let the characters live in peace or let them have like retire and like not have everybody die around them and just move on and let other characters take the helm and have these other characters maybe be in the background playing a small role somewhere or playing some part but not being the center anymore because eventually, like I said, it really becomes like a soap opera and it became very unpleasant to read at for point. I think it's still better than what we're getting with star Wars now, but it was very, very flawed uh, at that point also. So I'm trying to just consciously learn from the mistakes of franchises that I've loved, that I've loved that have fallen off for whatever reason and not make those mistakes.
1: Yeah. Nobody wants to read about old retired Han Solo, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they even like in the, Expanded universe with like all those three main characters for the 20 year old books. They do stay, they, they, none of them die ever, but their families suffer all the time around the, around like two out of like kind of layers, two out of three of their kids die over the course of a bunch of series. Um, Luke's wife gets killed. Like Chewbacca gets killed. So like they survive, which is the opposite of what Disney has been doing, where they're just killing off those main characters. But the other, and I think it becomes depressing because these characters don't live happily ever after they don't have any kind of happiness in their lives because their lives are an endless series of wars that just get worse and worse while their families and friends die. And they survive, but they're like broken people at the end. I don't know if they literally were portrayed that way, but they, they would be because they just became so unpleasant after like, it was the New Jedi Order series where that really got bad. And that's kind of where I kind of gave up on that.
1: yeah it's it, and it's well it's sequelitis, which which i hope you're yeah. you're avoiding here and it sounds like you're you're deliberately trying to when you have a character who at the end of one story is in a situation where you can imagine them living happily ever after you know the the job is done yeah. they can go retire or you know go with the girl or whatever uh or the guy yeah. uh, being an equal opportunity fan <laughs> um but then the I've sequels seen, come I, along I've, and say, I've, I've well, seen no, seen let's throw them right so. back in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, just throw them back so in the mix uh, with roughly the same story, and and then they're they're back in trouble all over again.
2: Yeah, and also the issue of trying to one-up yourself every time, which you have to do if you're, using, if you're using the same characters again, you really have to do that in a way, because otherwise the stakes aren't there. So I'm just trying to both at the same time be able to have more story options going forward and also uh, keep the characters there. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge with some characters because they're in leadership roles or command or like high level command roles. So I need to make sure that the reason they would step aside is a valid reason and it makes sense why they're still alive and just not center of attention anymore in the universe. But I have, I have plans. I mean, some of them might be triggering plans for some people because some people don't like characters settling down at all. But I don't really care about that. I just want the characters to do what's right for the characters male and female characters and uh, and then just move on and obviously again like if I do later books those characters will still be in the universe and still appear probably but they won't be the main characters necessarily I and mean, I might do like a short series at some point with some of the main characters as a focus again as kind of like a last uh, a last hurrah for some of them or like a way to properly send them off to their pseudo-retirement for, like With Star Wars, I think they could have done that really nicely with the Thrawn books where, like, that trilogy was a really good way to, like, conclude the Empire as a threat. It was a good way to conclude certain character arcs of um, some of the major characters. I think by the end of the Hand of Thrawn books, that was a total of five books. Like, everybody seemed set up to basically move on and live relatively happily and then have other stuff happen with other characters. But they they couldn't leave well enough alone. And... uh, it went off the rails from there so i'm trying to do that and obviously again but still keep the universe moving still keep it go without falling to the prequel trap which i don't want to do i mean I, I i will i will still write books set earlier depending on where and when And there's different different civilizations have different levels of histories uh, and different amounts of history that i could go into which also limits me in a positive way that i can't just go back um and just go through everything Like star wars i kind of did also did a little bit too crazy with like 10,000 years in the past and the tech is better or basically the same back then and you have to also like explain why the wars they fought back then were more epic and more and bigger than what they have now and it also also kind of ruined some of the original stories in a sense where like these big like Sith Jedi wars were like scale so big that it makes the civil war in the original trilogy look like 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 a tiny little like brush war like so I'm trying to avoid all of this as best I can with it only only being one person and they're just to plan ahead
1: that makes sense i I think the biggest trap that they fell into for all franchises doing prequels is they use the prequel as as an actual prequel they attempt to explain a lot of the background of uh the original story which frankly is never necessary
2: yeah it's like you there's a point where you explain way too much and it becomes Less magical it becomes boring almost like i have written stories already i've written a couple short stories i got published in anthologies this year that are both set in the past in different parts of the galaxy but they don't directly impact the stories um that i that i'm writing now they don't directly impact those books they're not anybody's like they're not any of these characters as a young person they're not necessarily even any like direct Ancestor, or like even if they are, they're so far removed that it doesn't matter anymore. And it's just a little little story there, just a fun setting to to work with. So I decided to do a short story, and uh, those are fun. I have some more I'm working on. Also, some characters there's more is more space for that in terms of their backstory, but it's also, there are, of course, some characters where you don't want to see, where it's not necessary to see their backstory. Like with like another Star Wars example is the Solo film, the, which which obviously you know flopped very hard. And it was a movie that nobody wanted to see, nobody needed to see, especially because though it that, that had all even been explained already, but also just because it's a character we don't need to know how he grew up. We don't need to know how he got his ship beyond the one line we got in the original films. And just, I guess you have to think about also what stories deserve to be told, not just stories that you think some fans might want or that you might want to some degree. Like there is needs to be some kind of other uh, thought process going into it.
1: And along those lines, uh, let me jump into the chat here. Bradford Walker uh, says uh, along the same lines, and I'm paraphrasing here: stories have a limited lifespan. Trying to keep a story past its proper end might as well be taken as undeath and treated accordingly.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty true. I mean, again, I have, I actually, I even do have. This is a long, long-term plan, like decades in the future. But I do have a plan of how I want to really just end. This universe, not yes, I'm not going to blow it up, but like how I want to conclude my universe of stories that I have in mind to tell, and I do ha- I do know, at least in a very general sense, where and how it's going to end. But it's going to take a lot of a lot more books to build to that, both in Gal- galaxy itself and other stories that are going to be set elsewhere. That I have um, plans that are going to tie it into each other. I mean, all my almost all my stories so far are set in the same universe as an actual universe, like. Whether it's different galaxies or whatever, so I mean, I really do have. I'm trying my best to plan ahead, like I said before, and also, also even with this own with this series itself, I'm trying to make the different books feel different. I'm not trying to retell the same story with different events. I'm just following the same plot in each book. Like I have uh, many people who read the who read the books. Book two has a very different feel from book one. Like right? book book one was filled with giant space battles and other and ground battles whereas book two i think it has one space battle in the whole book beyond just like one be aside from that, it's like a ship getting chased so, so is that deliberate space
1: do you do you pick a type of story or a genre of story for each book for example uh is do you what uh, not is the type I don't, of story? Going it,
2: say i want to write this kind of story okay like I, I know more I, I know i all story to go
1: Okay. But, okay. That that makes sense. That makes sense. But uh, I like yeah. that every, I like that every story you try to do something different. I, when you said that I had a picture in my mind, for example, in the Marvel cinematic universe, the Ant-Man uh, is, uh, films are there at, the, at least the first one. It's a heist movie. Yeah. It, it just happens to be done with superheroes uh, and that sort of thing. So each, each one is a different type of story, even though they're all about comic book superheroes. Uh, so i was wondering that that that's sort of, that's what that i thought of when you said that each story is different
2: yeah so it's not exactly like my genre but like i said book two there's literally just one space battle in the whole book and book two most of the main characters are actually in the same place more or less for the whole book which is actually was actually a challenge to write in a way but uh book two they're all like it's kind of i don't know what the genre would be it's like like the setting center of the earth kind of stories where like they're all investigating this like hollow planet. It was not a spoiler. It just, that's on the back of the book, I think. So like they all get, they're all investigating this hollow planet that, and how it relates to what happened before. And then that obviously leads to events that come later. And then uh, then I get in book three, book, uh, book three was um, a war and book, book three, four and five are probably the most similar in that they're telling the story of a war that takes place over the course of all three books. But I try to vary the events and obviously, the situations change a lot, and also, I added, also adding new characters helps. Because I've added new viewpoint characters who are on different tracks and in different parts of the of the universe, different parts of the war, and they're involved in different ways. And that allows me also to have different plot arcs, like side plots that are going on that play into the main one, but also are very different, like more adventure whereas some of the other plots, I guess, are more military sci-fi in a way with fleet commanders and big battles and things like that. And uh, I mean in book three I have a not an espionage story or a plot, but I have like a plot of a character trying to figure out what's going on and trying to investigate what's happening. and then that obviously plays with the things later. and a plot of people trying to find the plants a super weapon. So that's like a side plot also, which is a very different sort of plot than the main war itself. And then even with books four books four and five, other characters some of the characters are on their own journey. Doing something that will tie in later, whereas other characters are just in the front and center of the war effort itself. And then, book and actually in book in book five is the first time really where I have major viewpoint characters who are on the antagonist side. So I've had like maybe like one viewpoint briefly of a villain in the earlier books, but in books in book five I have two characters who are no, no before I have one book two I have five characters I mean no, book five I have two characters and before I have one who are on the antagonist side of this war, so I get another view from the other side. And even while they're an antagonist, I say antagonist for a reason, because these antagonists are not necessarily evil. Uh, while, while there is, of course, evil going on at, at play in this war, these characters are not, because I don't really enjoy writing evil people. I enjoy writing an antagonist, but not evil in uh, the, the literal sense. So,
1: Sure, that makes sense. Uh, I want to switch back to the, to your writing because we, you have a very kind uh, words from Stoughton Mad in chat. He says that it's amazing you managed to get so much done while serving. It's an impressive feat. Thanks for hanging out yeah. in the chat.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to make use of my time because, like, my for better or worse, the job that I've gotten in the army is basically sitting in a radio room for eight hours at a time, where fortunately not much happens. If, if a lot was happening, then we'd be at war probably, which would be uh, interesting in a different way and not a, necessarily a positive way. So I, for the last year plus, I'd basically been sitting for eight hours at a time or even 12 hours at a time, depending on what when, what, what time it is, what, what week it is or whatever. And so I got permission to use my laptop. The first book I actually wrote entirely on my phone with the Bluetooth keyboard because they wouldn't let us use laptops then, but now they do. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, that was uh, a challenge. Also because my Bluetooth keyboard is really stupid. And auto corrects things even worse than my phone does, and I had a lot of dumb typos that I, I hope I got all of them. If not, I'll find them later and fix them in three later. But uh, like I was, that was that was a challenge to do. I mean, I've done a little bit of that since, but since I'm on base, I'm able to just put my laptop every week, set it up there, and they know that I'm not just playing games or watching movies and not paying attention. As long as I don't have earbuds in both ears, I can still hear the radio, or hear the phone. Doesn't matter what I'm doing because I'm just there and I'm still doing my job, and. Uh, and just working on that. So I've gotten a very good groove where I'm there. And I also – I volunteer to do night shifts, which are the least busy because nobody comes to the base at night. And there's nothing nothing else going on. Usually, usually I'm by, by myself in the building all night. So nobody's going to bother me. Nobody's going to ask me to do anything to like clean up something or, or whatever. And I can just sit there, right? write. There's a pull-up bar in the room. I can exercise too, which is good for me also because I'm, I'm actually training now. I'm training to be on – Israel's Ninja Warrior TV show. I hope next year. So like oh, I'm awesome. trying to. Do that too. I I auditioned this year. I made it into round two auditions, and then that was it. But uh, now I have another year to get ready for next time. So I, everything I have there, I everything I need, I have. I have the pull up bar to exercise on. I have my computer to write, and I've written three books, three three hundred three hundred thousand word plus books, plus other short stories and stuff. And and I mean I've been in the army for nineteen months now. So, just uh, making use of my time because lot of other guys who work the same job. They're on their phone the whole time just watching YouTube or watching movies or playing games. And it just feels silly to just waste my time there where I can make use of it. And I can even, since I have my phone and my keyboard that I can take with me, I could even take it with me when we get sent elsewhere. We got sent down to Gaza border twice uh, this past year when things flared up. So, I brought my computer, my phone with me, and I brought my Bluetooth keyboard and I kept writing while I was there. And then nothing happened. We went back to base. So, uh, so just, I, I've gotten very good at finding the time to write, which I know it was a challenge for a lot of authors. So it's something that like I've been forced to like figure out, and because I've been forced to, I've been able to do it really, really well at this point. And yeah, I've written—I'm coming up on half a million words, I think, at some point soon, uh, written since I drafted. So that's uh, pretty incredible.
1: And and threat of war aside, being able to say I have everything I need there with me. Every day, that's that's quite a uh, that's quite a luxury. It's nice to have everything you need right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like it's like it's also something about making the best of a situation. Because I wanted to be in a different role. You know, I wanted to be in a combat role at first, and they wouldn't let me. So like, okay, fine. I, I can't change it. So I'm going to make the best out of what I have here. And I have. And I, I managed. I fought with them to let me sign an extra half year, which I did now. So I'm. i supposed to be done last month. And instead, I'm now assigned through uh, December, and we'll see what happens after that. But I really wanted to say, and I, yeah, I finally got a yes from them—not like a no, but kind of answer. I finally right. got like an actual yes. An hour after I actually got out, I got let back in. So that was an interesting day. But, so, uh, uh,
1: so what yeah. are your long-term plans when when you're when you're done with your service? Are you going to write full time there in Israel? Or are you going to spend some time in the states again, or
2: what? Well, I'm gonna stay here. Um, I would I would like to write full- time. I need to be able to justify that from a monetary standpoint. So that's uh, what I'm trying to work toward now with just getting working on my marketing game, which is the hardest part of writing and obviously writing more stuff because that also helps having more books out there helps in general. Um, but yeah, I mean like my goal long term, whether it's after I finish my service whenever that is or whether it's in five years, ten years is to write full- time. whether I, whether I could do that right away is the big question. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do these crowdfunds because these crowdfunds give the opportunity to at the very least, let you start off with a new book release at zero and not at negative where you had to spend the money to get the book ready. And that, allow that that mitigates, I think the real, the main negative of self-publishing where you have to pay for all your services for the cover, the editing. And if you are able to raise that money for crowdfunding, that basically mitigates all of that. And you start off with a new book out, you don't owe any money to anybody and the books just anything you make from the books is profit at that point and then, then you can build on your marketing and build to get a bigger audience and then eventually obviously uh make a real living off it so
1: and that's really tough to do most people can't most people actually can't live off of that but yeah it's, it's a hobby uh, for most
2: and that's okay yeah I mean, yeah I mean that's I mean that is I mean the monetary thing is is one of the reasons, not the only reason, why I decided I want to stay in the army longer, because I don't have to look for a job. So I'm able to just uh, stay where I am, write some more books, and I get I get paid, not a lot. Army salaries are, I think, below minimum wage here, but between that and other benefits I get, it, it evens out well enough. Because also cause I'm on home most of the week, so I'm able I don't have to pay for my own food most of the time, so it saves money that way. I get free bus travel, so that also is a plus and that kind of thing. So, uh, so at this yeah. point, it's worth it. Stay and just keep doing what I'm doing. I, mean, I would like to have a more interesting job eventually. If I do decide to stay longer than six more months, But that's a thing I'm going to figure out going forward. But for now, I'm just same place I was before. Still writing, still planning more stuff to write. I have other I can put an entirely separate series I have planned of shorter books um, that I hope to start writing once I finish this series off. And I have two more books in my fantasy trilogy to finish that I want to start working on also when i finish this series and obviously more galaxy Ascendant uh series that i have concept plans for that i'm going to start growing into more concrete plans and more uh like outlining the series that i want to do and have all that ready as far in advance as i can so i like i have the least amount of in between time in between product time like the, the breaks again i think brandon sanderson is all author where i've heard this from before his breaks from his big series is to write a different book that's kind of what i do also i kind of my break from writing the big book is to write a short story or to write or to outline a different book or to edit a book and that way i'm always moving something along even when i'm not working on the next project directly
1: that's exciting stuff uh and i do hope it works out for you what uh my next question is you've got an IndieGoGo setup. We haven't talked that much about the IndieGoGo yes. itself, uh, and what kind of good stuff. Like, if I were interested in in getting helping you get these books out the door, what kind of good stuff can I get in this IndieGoGo?
2: Well, aside from the obvious of the eBooks and the print books of, of the new of the new books in the series and the entire series, I also have some other fun stuff. Some that I had last time, and some that I have new for this one. I have three different levels of creating a side character to appear in the books. So I think I got, I think I had a total of four or five people who back at those levels last time. Like the lowest tier out of those three gets a character guaranteed at least one appearance, but that's with an asterisk because side characters in the series do tend to show up again at some point because they're in the universe, depending on where they are. If that place, that ship is shown again, they're obviously going to be there still. So it's a guaranteed at least one appearance. That's the lowest level one. I forget the exact price I have on them because it's different than last time because there's two books involved. Um, and then the second tier is a glorious death tier where you're guaranteed a character with an appearance, multiple appearances, and then the character gets a heroic death at some point. So actually I have one of those for in this, in, in this, in these two books, it was a character who was actually, going to, it was guaranteed for one book, but because I realized it was going to be a better moment in book five. So that character gets a lot more screen time and then gets a glorious heroic uh, death. In book five, at the very at the very end of the book, actually, um, then the third level is what's called the like, "live in the galaxy" uh, reward tier, which is guaranteed multiple character appearances and guarantee the character interacts at least once with the main character. That doesn't say the other the other levels won't do that, but this one is guaranteed to interact with the main character directly at some point. And like again, probably the odds are good that uh, it will be more than once because if if they're, if they're in a place where they're near a main character and to interact. So they'll be there again. And then new for this time, I have two new, well, actually no, three new reward levels, two different levels of ship design because I'm currently working on commissioning. I and mean, then in the process commission my first uh, concept art of, ship, of of one of the ships in the series that has been in progress for a while. The artist had some issues uh, that delayed him for a while, but it's working back on progress now and it's looking very awesome. So hopefully I would, that's like a extra thing that I'm wanting to raise money from Subscribe star for in the long term, but for now, that's something that I would want to do with um, with just with this series in general. And I have I have a lot of really cool ship uh, classes and individual ships uh, that I want to do art of. And so this tier would allow the low level will allow someone to help design the look of a ship that already exists and is established. Well, like I have some ships I've done lore posts for on my website, like about the design, about what its purpose is, and that kind of thing. And so the goal with into that reward tier is they get to basically be the third person with me and the artist when going over the, the different options of concepts and deciding what we end up going with overall. And then the higher level of ship design is much more, um, freedom and much more, many more options for the, the backer themselves to basically give me input on what the ship is going to be, what it's going to look like, what it's going to, how it works either that that would either be for an entirely new ship class or a ship class that's been mentioned by name. And that's just mentioned by name. It just exists, but nothing else is said about it. So like, I got most would be like, this is this kind of ship class. Uh, and then you can basically help decide, um, the details about it, help design like its history, a bit whatever it was designed for, what its armaments are, capabilities are within limits of what the universe has obviously. And then design obviously how it looked, which is the most fun part. So, uh, and then the highest level tier that I have, which I just I think Brian Niemeyer recommended putting it as an option, even if no one picks it, it's, or it doesn't hurt to have it, is to help, is to commission a short story in the universe itself, which would be canon in the universe. And basically, the reader gets to basically tell me which character to use. It could be any character, even a side character who appeared once. i find a, I find a story to write somehow with that character, and theoretically, even a new character that, that it's the kind of discussed with the back or at that point. And also they could have input on what kind of story uh, it would be like, what kind of, like that point they can basically pick a genre because space opera is awesome because you could do any kind of genre you want basically um, in the in that setting. Obviously I'm better at something. Like I have experience with some and not others. Like I've never written a horror story. I could try if somebody would want one. Like, I'd give, I'd give it a good effort I probably could do something decent, I guess. But like obviously I'm more, uh, more inclined to, more adventure-oriented type of stories or action type of stuff. So that's like a the highest level tier that I have available. And like I said, that, that would be a canon in-universe story that would obviously fit in with whatever else is happening and with any, with any character the the backer wants. So that would be the best thing to get back that because one of those would half-fun the entire thing. So, uh, yeah, plus
1: you get to write another story, which...
2: Yeah, sending the story, would of course be dedicated... To the backer, of course. And
1: what? That's great. Yeah, and also,
2: and also, I do plan on eventually releasing like a collection of yaoi-centered short stories. I've written a few by now. I have, i re- released a couple for free to my mailing list. There's a thirty thousand word, like a five part, thirty thousand word story that I released that I wrote during basic training, actually, that I that available for free if anybody who signs up for that. my website and i have another story that also is free through there i I believe and so my plan would be to once i get maybe like 10 or so stories to release uh like a a print version and an ebook version collection of all those stories so far and of course any stories that gets commissioned through this would be in that collection and uh, there's a good is also a good chance that that would be the story that i would pick to make the cover design after it because as thanks to the backer for uh for the contribution uh, in that front so so that would be like another way that it becomes not just in, in e- an e-book story that gets written but also eventually make it into a collection that would be in print uh whether it's in a year from now or three years from now but not even not more than that I, w- I would say because of how many stories i have already that i could put in. so a lot of that fun sounds stuff. like
1: quite a perk that, that reminds me of uh my other question is is i usually like to get print versions of stories so are you offering uh, printed versions of all their books or is this all just ebooks
2: yeah no the books are all available in print the art and the art looks better in physical form than on the uh, computer screen so it's more reason to get the books in print because it just it just pops more good it's like these are meant these are their paintings are meant to be seen in a physical form whether even if it's a scanned version of it on the cover like it, it does it all like, i got definitely Guarantee that all the arts even look look even better than they do um, on the screen than they uh, on print than they do on the screen. So I highly recommend the print book. I actually sold a couple on Amazon. It's weird. And when I'm running a And also my sales go up at the same time, which is very confusing to me. It's like it's the cheapest <laughs> options of getting all, the cheapest options of getting all of the ebooks is on the crowdfund. So why are people buying one or two of the books now or three of them even? Someone buying somebody bought all three of them on Amazon. They could have. They could have, like a cheaper price, gotten all five on, on uh, the crowdfunding. Unless I want to read them now, I guess maybe that's a reason. Or people want to buy the first book and then see if they like it, and then back it later or something like that. But like, it is kind of funny. Also, I've sold print copies also for the first time in a while, while this is running. So it's all, it's almost worth it to run a crowdfund just because it – just the spike in sales. It's it. great. Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if it's a spike because of the crowdfund or because I'm just promoting it so much more now. That people are just seeing the series born buying it that way. I really don't know which is. I like, wish there was a way to tell from Amazon like where they came from to buy the books, but there's no way to. They don't tell you that, so like no way to know. So like unless I want to just run a crowdfund forever and just like have it something even if I don't get anything for it, just have it just running and then promoting it all the time. I mean that could might be an option. So I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'd let me know how that works. That does sound pretty amusing. Uh, to see yeah. if see if you get anything out of that um yeah. we uh, also, well yeah. i i
2: think one we're other just I say also i mean another thing is for the crowdfund itself i had i did mention before the trailer that i made for this crafton, which is a lot of fun to make i got to hire voice art voice actors from fiverr which i i finally used uh to actually make a fully voiced trailer uh which was a lot of fun doing it's the kind of thing I, I like making videos but not I, mean, I would i wouldn't want to do it all the time but to do it once in a while for these kind of events is a lot of fun and uh like I said, I encourage people to watch it, even if there is some, somewhat of a spoiler in there. It's the kind of spoiler where you don't know how it happens or anything like that. And also, depending on how long you go between watching the video and reading the book that it happens in, it's the kind of thing that you don't remember coming, and then it, when it happens, it happens. So I like, uh, recommend that, because I put a lot of love into it, and voice actors did a very good job. I found the one Israeli voice actress on Fiverr to hire for this, because only one exists there, at least for now. And I needed huh. one, and uh, came out very, very nicely. So, uh, well, cool. I'll,
1: I'll put a link in the in the show notes for for the video too.
2: Yeah, the the, the, the video should to be on YouTube on its own. In addition to like the on the in addition to on the campaign page itself, it's also on YouTube as its own. The guy have to upload it to there in order to put it on GoGo anyway. So uh, it's on my YouTube channel, which exists. and That's all I could say about my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Exist exists for me to put stuff on once in a while, whether it's a whether it's a Ninja Warrior video or whether it's my trailers. Uh, that's that's all there. So
1: awesome! Hey, so we're we we've been chatting for almost an hour and and we haven't heard from Daddy Warpig in a while. Yes. What's going on, man? I don't
0: know yes. a whole lot. You've just been asking him all the questions. I was like, hey, that's cool. I took all I took all the questions from you. I'll just let him run with it. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> That's the benefit of being Daddy Warpig because I don't have to talk all the time. <laughs> I like
1: that. The the new the Kentucky fried chicken version of Daddy Daddy War Pig.
0: <laughs> I surround myself with awesome people. <laughs> so yeah. Uh I just want to say, Yakov, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um,
2: thanks for having me back,
0: and yeah. wish you all the luck with your IndieGoGo. You have anything Thank else?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Likewise, it's uh, it's always great to have you on, and best of luck with the IndieGoGo. You definitely have a vision that you're you're pushing forward, and I hope a lot of people like it. Um, and yeah, thanks, of course. For... So
2: far, so far, I do so. Uh, I can say that much. Like I have a couple. A handful, little handful of very dedicated fans already that uh, always count on to help uh, say good things about about my writing.
1: So. That oh, that's great to hear. That's that's pretty much what it's all about. Yes, um, and as as well as chat. Thanks for hanging out, talking with us live. We had a couple people uh, interacting with us and Yakov during the show. I appreciate that, uh, and that's all I have to say for today.
0: All right. Thanks for everybody uh, tuning in live to participate in the chat. Um, thanks for everybody listening to the show later. Uh, you can get us on youtube.com geekgab geek gab. That's youtube.com slash geek gab. You can get us on the Google Play Store, on the iTunes Store, and on soundcloud.com. Just do a search for geek gab. We are leaving you for today, folks. But don't you worry, don't you fret,
2: we will be back.